I was in this mindset of like, I've given myself 12 months, I'm a few months in, this is not really going anywhere. And you, you start to have a lot of those doubts in terms of, well, is anything ever really going to pan out? Um, uh, you know, or am I just going to have to like accept this and get, get a job in a few months? Welcome to Beyond the File, the podcast where we talk to leaders and entrepreneurs about their biggest business failures. We'll deep dive into how they overcame these setbacks, the lessons they learned from them, all to help you gain valuable insights. Failure is an essential part of the business journey, as well as being the key to success. So we're here to show you how to thrive from it. We're joined today by Ahmed Khan, a property developer, mentor, public speaker, and the young businessman who amassed a £4.8 million property portfolio by the time he was 28. His journey into the world of property began straight out of university after studying economics. And his success at a particularly young age is extremely impressive given his humble beginnings growing up in Kashmir. Starting out in property with service accommodation, he rapidly expanded his portfolio to manage over 40 properties on Airbnb. This success won him the Outstanding Achievement Award in the 2017 Progressive VIP Awards. He's since moved into purchasing and developing properties and has used some very clever strategies to build a multi-million pound buy-to-let portfolio in such a short space of time. But Ahmed's influence extends beyond property development because he's cultivated a massive online following with over 100,000 followers on YouTube and TikTok. Today, Ahmed talks for the first time about his forays into entrepreneurship after university and trying and failing on multiple different ventures before falling into property. He shares some valuable insights and lessons from this period, including the importance of experimentation and running small tests before going all in on a business idea. This is Beyond the Fail with Ahmed Khan. Ahmed, welcome to Beyond the Fail. How are you doing today? I'm very good and thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm uh, excited to be speaking to you. I've seen you talk a number of times uh, in person and always found you extremely in- insightful so really looking forward to having this sort of deeper dive chat with you today yeah, no, so um i would i know that you're kind of known for property now but um i suppose where did it kind of all, all start for you yeah so i uh went to university september of 2013 you know like a lot of people do after finishing a levels and everything else and uh i studied economics for three years the, the plan at the time was I'll do my three-year degree, I'll get some sort of corporate job. Um, most people who study economics in, you know, within London, the other are going to fi- uh, banking, finance, accounting, consulting, one of those jobs. So first year I applied to about 16 or 17 different spring weeks, which are basically one-week internships at a bank or something, and uh, didn't get a single one of those. Next year, you then apply for a summer internship, which is basically the same concept, but for eight weeks as opposed to one week. Applied for about 10, 12 of those, didn't get a single one. I finally, I applied to a budget graduate scheme. So now, not really an internship, but a full-on one-year-plus scheme, right? Uh, applied to six, seven of those, didn't get a single one. So now, three years in, about 30-plus applications in, didn't get a single one. Um, funnily enough, actually, I think, I didn't really realize this at the time, but if you think back to 2013, there wasn't that much social media content. I, I know people had Facebook and people had Instagram, but it was user-driven content, right? You might post a picture of your family and dog and stuff, but it wasn't 
like the content we have nowadays where media companies are producing professional content. And I think around 2016, by the time I was finishing university or, you know, in my last year, there was a lot more professional content around motivation and um, interviews and podcasts and like alternative ways of making money and side hustles and all those sort of things. Like, you know, thinking back to 2013, there was no, I, I know people had side hustles, but there was no real concept that everyone should have a side hustle and, you know, you have your main job and then you do like, uh, you, you have the 5 a.m. club and all those sort of things because we had books. Yeah, I, I know I'm making it sound like this was 70 years ago, but but that's what you used to yeah, yeah. You, you know, like you had TV. <laughs> well, the world's moves fast. You know, but you had, like, you had like mainstream TV or you had books. There wasn't this media in the middle. And so university finished mm. and I was exposed to a lot of this content and, you know, Gary Vee and so on and so forth. And so I thought, well, okay, this job thing isn't panning out. Uh, I'm not really having any success with this. And at the same time, there's a lot more content about alternative ways of making money. So I thought, well, okay, I'll what I'll do is rather than getting a job, I'll stop applying for jobs. I'll give myself 12 months. If I can make something work in 12 months, then I'll continue with that. And if I can't make anything work within 12 months, then I'll sort of quit and start applying for jobs again. So I gave myself 12 months. So that's, that's kind of where I started before I got into all, all the property stuff. And just, I suppose, going back to sort of circling back to something you said why was it that do you think that you got knocked back from um all those graduate schemes and internships yeah so thinking back obviously at the time um i thought i was doing you know everything right just like everyone else does and so i, I think at the time I was doing what people do in terms of like memorizing answers and you know, Googling, you know, what's the best answer to X, Y, and Z. And none of that was necessarily coming from myself, right? Like, it's not something I actually meant. It was more so, well, this is what I think the best answer is. So I'll just give that particular answer. So, you know, I might have applied to, let's say, Barclays Bank. And they would have said, why Barclays Bank? Or, you know, like, well, why do you want to work at this company? And it would be like a very generic answer. Like, oh, I love the culture of this company and so on and so forth. You know, realistically, you're applying because it pays well, and then that, that's pretty much it. And so, I don't think I actually had any interest in any of the things I was applying to. It was more so yeah. I was Googling what makes the most amount of money. Okay, well, it's banking, consulting, accounting, yeah, in the finance uh, finance department. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll I'll build a list of what pays the most. I'll I'll start from the top and I'll work my way through. And whatever I get, I get. So I have no idea what. M&A does and you know all these different departments of a bank do nor do I have any interest and so I think people could tell when they were interviewing me that he does you know he's not really that interested he's yeah he kind of guess what he's talking about but he's not really that interested that's that's my take on it because I doubt my answers would have been that genuine or that good they probably would have come across very monotone at the same time because I would be trying to remember like you know what's the best way to like say this uh so someone gets convinced so I, I think that's most likely the reason. Whereas now, you know, if I if I genuinely like something, I can talk about it to a deeper level. Whereas I did, you know, I definitely couldn't uh, with anything I ever applied to. And did those knockbacks affect you at all? Because obviously, you know, at a young age, like thirty knockbacks from essentially what was going to be your future kind of career and I suppose trajectory. Did that hit you like hard at all? Uh. It's, it's a hard one because, you know, when you're in university, you're almost in a bit of a fake reality. Like, like you don't really yeah. have any real-life consequences of whatever happens. So you get rejected and, you know, you, you get annoyed for, like, I don't know, a couple of hours and 
then you then you're like oh, a while ago um you know time to go out or something i don't know you know you, you, like, like when you fail i think like now in in with like a job or something or like where it has real life consequences it affects you significantly more like, like anything any failure in university like thinking about now though it was extremely annoying at the time because you're applying and you're putting in so many hours and you start to have doubt after a while that well I, I can keep burning hours into this but there's i have no idea if it's actually going to work or not um I, I think i must have been i don't know 25 interviews in or something and well i had an interview i can't remember with which company and they asked me a question and i wasn't really sure and so the lady was it was a video interview not in person and so the lady was like um she was trying to help me with the answer like you know like how about if you think think about it this way and so on and so forth and I, and I kind of gave a you know bit of a shitty answer. I don't really have a great answer to that one. And then I remember like a question later, she asked me another question, and I was like, you know, I I have no idea. And, and she was like, no, no, like you know, just just give it a go, just give it a go. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I honestly, God, I actually have no idea. Like I, I had literally just given up by that moment in time. I, I was like, this is this is not what she was trying to give you a helping hand. Yeah, she she was she was you know to be fair, she was trying to help. And I I like that is the extent to which I had just given up I, I was like i because by the way you know up till that point i would just make something up where you pivot the question and you answer a slightly different question which still kind of answers the question so i was this you know the, the, uh, this is not working like this is not working one bit um so I, I don't yeah you know did it really impact my life that deeply at that moment in time probably not purely because i was in university and none of it was a, none of it was like real if that kind of makes sense uh, but yeah, it was annoying at the time, and I, I think that interview is a good example of where I, I was just like, oh, "This is, you know, this is not happening. <laughs> like, this is not happening whatsoever." Um, but but I think failures, once is the way I describe it is when you're at university, um, the stakes are very low. Yes, you're kind of thinking, "Well, university is mm-hmm. about to finish soon. I need to have some sort of job." But you're still living on student loans and university is pretty much paid for because of student loans and everything else. And there's no real life, no real life consequences. There's nothing at stake. Now, if you fail at something, now you're like, shit, what if I go out of business? Like, what if this happens? Like, what am I going to do in five years time? You know? And so the, the fa- it's a safe environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, mm. it's just, it's just not real enough. So I, I don't think I was ever like mm. sitting there depressed. Like, what you know, what's going to happen now? you also also when you're younger you also have i think a lot more optimism because you just think oh i'll work it out like like something will come and i'll sort of work my way through i think as you get older and older that optimism starts to die out a bit and if if you have a real failure and you start thinking about what's at stake you don't have that optimism of like oh well i'll work it out in two months time or three months time like we'll we'll see what happens at university uh this might just be my experience but i think a lot i do think it's a lot of other people's experience as well that it's just a lot more optimism. So it doesn't impact you as much when you're younger. And I think because, you know, if you think about it, when, you, when you're younger, that's that's really the first ever setback you've kind of had. Up till then, it's like, yeah, you've had exams and stuff, but fine, you might not have done very well at a particular exam. Um, I done okay at exams, you know, so I didn't, I didn't really have that issue either. And so, I don't know, I, I just feel like it's too early in life for you to kind of get bogged down about. That might have changed now, by the way, because I, I do think social media has changed that. Uh, I, I think the pressures now are significantly more. So if someone's watching this and they're 17, they might be like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, you know, like there, there is so much pressure on my <laughs> Right. But but mm. this is, mm. I didn't have social, again, I'm making it sound like it was ages ago, but I got Instagram when I started university. 
Whereas people have Instagram now when they're like eight years old. So, of course, I'm talking from my experience up till that point. Whereas nowadays, the problem is, you know, you go on an Instagram post and you look in the comments and there'll be a 15-year-old. It'll be like, oh, I, well, I failed in life. Yeah, you, you know, because the expectation is so much higher now. Whereas when we were 15, um, there, there was no such thing. The expectation was literally as much as pass your A-levels. Yeah, you, you know, or I just... Yeah, just get a A, B, C, A, A, A level, and that was pretty much it. Did you ever feel pressure from your family at a young age? Well, just just because you know some some upbringings and some families, there is a lot of pressure to succeed. There's a lot of pressure to hit certain grades. Did you ever have that expectation from your family? And also, did you have that expectation on yourself? Uh, before university or after university? I would say. Up to university and including university, because so, that's the key. You know, that's the key kind of stages around pressure around career and education. So for me, I would say no, purely because me and so I've got one other, one other, one other sibling, and we've always been extremely like independent from that point of view. Um, I my like my parents have never told me to study once. Um, they've never told me to study. They've never told me well maybe you should do these A-levels or you should go to that university or you should pick that degree. I, I think when it came to studying, I was generally pretty good at studying in the sense that I, I knew what I had to do to get a certain grade. I wouldn't say I was the smartest by any means, but I knew how to like do exams in the sense that, you know, like uh, I knew I could work backwards from a math scheme and sort of work my way through an exam. So, and I, and people knew I was just going to get on with it. So I just had this mindset of this is what I need to get done and I, I know I'll get it done. So I didn't really feel any pressure um, from that respect. And again, I, I think it's one of those things that if you do okay at a GCSE, it gives you a bit of confidence and you do slightly better at A-levels, which gives you a bit of confidence and then you do slightly better at university. I, I just feel like compared to the real world, the, the schooling system and you know the university system is significantly easier. It's not like every, everything is done for you, but at the same time, it's a very controlled environment, right? It's like you know what to study, mm. when to get it done by. You know how the exams work. There's people there to help you. Whereas if you if you have if you're starting your own business, you know you don't even know where to begin, let alone how to succeed. Whereas if you think about school, you know what you need to do, what the syllabus is, what the book is, what the exam is. You've got the teacher there, you've got students there, you might have a tutor. Like you have all the resources and all all of that in the world. And I, I think I was just good at like getting along with. That's that structured system, really. So, uh, I actually think I would be a very good employee, personally, um, because I, I, you know, because if someone yeah. told me this is what you need to get done, I'm, I'm good at getting stuff done. But to work out what you need to do in, and and to to actually make a decision. Well, if I do this, then what if that goes wrong? And what if I do this and that goes wrong? And that that is you know significantly harder. And by the way, this again, have you ever been an employee? No, uh, I have for seven hours one day, Burger King. Um, well, I, I had a job at Burger King and, um, it, it was, it was my first day and let's just, I, I got fired after like seven hours and so. Wow. Uh, really? That, that was it. That's the only day. I've For what? What did you do wrong? Basically, I, I live in Stevenage. Um, it, it's like a small new town, right? And so I, I'm not like, I, I did everything at Burger King. This, I was like 16 years old and uh, this, I don't know if it's going to make, make me sound bad, but like, so I, you know, did everything you're required to do like the clean the tables and the trays and like mop the floors and like literally anything and everything but 
fast food places you know certain places i don't go to the toilet sir because i'm like uh I, I don't i really cannot use a fast food toilet i'd rather just go to like tesco's or something yeah, because fast food is particularly like not clean for some reason right um yeah. and there's all like rubbish lying around and all that sort of stuff and so I was like, I'll do everything, but I'm I'm not cleaning toilets. Like, I can't even use them. Like I just I just can't. I just physically can't do it. Right. Um. So they were like, well, you have to do everything, otherwise you can leave. And I was like, fine, I'll leave. Um. So so that's basically what happened. I was like, let me just clean the trays and the chairs and the you know mop the floor. But but they were like, no no no, everyone has to do everything, and uh, I just couldn't do it. It's kind of like an initiation on day one, isn't it? Will you clean the toilets? Because that you know marks you out as to having the right attitude or not. And obviously, yeah. they deem that not to have the right attitude. So where is this? Obviously, the fact that you've never, apart from the seven hours that you worked at Burger King, worked for someone else. Where is that entrepreneurial, I suppose, approach and mindset come from? And... Given that you did an economics degree, that seems at odds with the entrepreneurial side. So how was there, has there ever been any tension between those two things? And, and why did you sort of decide just to go solely out on, on, on yourself? So tension between economics and entrepreneurship. Okay, now, like I said, I did well, you know, at GCSEs and A-levels and stuff. And I, and I, and I did get into like a good university and stuff. So for, for me, I was you know set out that i need some sort of job in finance or consulting or accounting or something because I, i've been sort of not preparing for this but in the sense that I, i've done my stuff at a levels and gcscs and i've and i've been you know the aim for all these years was to get to a good union to get to this thing and now I, i've started applying and i'm sort of at odds with this, this, this there's like a fork in the road it's like well do i go left or do i go right and so what happened was because I wasn't getting a job anyway, I had a, in my final year, I had an interview with Deloitte and that, that interview went well, okay? And that interview gave me an, an assessment center. Now, I went to the assessment center and I, th this was like towards the end of my third year, final year at university. And, and I know for a fact, if after that assessment center, they gave me a job, if they said, you can start in September, I swear to God, I would have started in September because because the fear of entrepreneurship was so high that I was like, if someone gave me a job, I'll take it. And, and I would have convinced myself, I'll just do this on the site. I'll do this on the weekends because I really want to make my business work and I love entrepreneurship and blah, blah, blah. But I, I knew in my heart that if I if they gave me that contract, I was taking that contract because I, I had got nothing for almost three years. Um, of course, in the end, I didn't get, you know, Assessment Center failed, so I didn't get the job. So what happened is because now I had applied to about 30 odd jobs and I didn't you know, get that final one as well, that's where I said to myself, okay, well, I'll give myself 12 months. If I can make it work in 12 months, then we'll get from there. So it wasn't so much so that I made some like brave decision that what I need to do is I need to like, you know, not get a job anymore and I'll do my own thing. It was, I would have taken that job. Uh, and, I, and I think most people would have taken that job because it's, you know, you, you have spent years trying to get some sort of job. Like you are, like for the now it nowadays it's different because again, there's a lot more social media content. Well, when I was growing up, so I grew up in Kashmir, by the way, so I didn't grow up in this country, and so I would go to like the local shop and I would buy sweets and I would try to like sell it to my cousins for like you know a markup and those sort of things. But it wasn't like a business, right? Or I, like any money I got, I would try to save that because I because I, I was like, oh, look how much money I've got now because I've sort of saved up for years. So I it was entrepreneurial to some degree. Um, yeah, you know, sold 
not, again, not that, like, for example, there was, when I was in school, we had these football match tax cards of, like, you know, the different Premier League teams and stuff. Uh, never watched football in my life, but, yeah, you know, I used to buy the cards on eBay for cheaper and sell them in school for slightly more. So I, I had some tendencies, but I wouldn't say I was like, oh, okay, as a result of this, I need to become an entrepreneur. It was literally, I just thought it was fun, right? Never, never in my life did I think that I would do this as a full-time real thing because, again, pre-social media, that concept didn't really exist. It was like, you, you know, who, who was an entrepreneur before then? Now it seems like every other person's an entrepreneur, but before then, it's, you know, you, you got a job. And so I was always Googling what's the best job, like, uh, you know, which pays the most, which one has the highest bonus. The, I, I never once in my life Googled how to start a business because that was not a realistic option. Uh, it, it just became an option because I couldn't get a job. Uh, otherwise, I would have happily taken my job and I don't know, I, I'd be at Deloitte or something right now. How do you think um, growing up um, in, in, in Kashmir and then moving to, to the UK, how do you think that's influenced some or has it influenced any of your kind of decisions or I suppose attitudes to, you know, around sort of careers and entrepreneurship? So I think similarly there and here, I mean, you know, the commonality is that most people, their objective is to get some sort of job, right? It's when, you, when you're growing up, you're not thinking from the point of view that, oh, well, maybe I could start a business or maybe I could do this or maybe I could do that. Especially in Kashmir, especially back then, because there was no real opportunity. It's like, how would you start a business? You would, uh, you know, you would need to have a lot of money in order to maybe open up like a shop or something. Right, especially nowadays, it's very different because now you can think. Now there are so many businesses you can start with virtually no money. You can start a YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, you can start a podcast. You can start affiliate marketing. You, whereas if you think about it, Kashmir is essentially like a mountain area, um, and it's not. I mean, it's mountains, but you have like hotels and shops and you know that kind of stuff. But it's it's a third world country, right? So, growing up there. Who has a business? Well, the guy who owns a shop and the guy who owns a restaurant and maybe the guy who, I don't know, owns some sort of like uh, car mechanic person or something. Uh, you, you, so because it's not a realistic option, you don't even think about it. Um, because because what would you do? And there's no social proof. Nowadays, we can look at someone and we can say, oh, well, that guy's you know making so much money doing this podcasting thing. Maybe I'll give it a go. But what would you compare, compare it to back then? Uh, especially in Kashmir, it's like, what would you say? Like, I'm going to open up a shop like this guy? Or like, you know, so, and mm. th this is my point that I never once Googled how to start a business purely because there was no validation that this thing could work. Uh, I'd never seen anyone, I didn't know anyone who had a business. I knew people who were, you know, who who uh, worked in for, for the government sector, maybe, maybe doctors, uh, uh, maybe like an engineer or something. Maybe, you know, someone who teaches at a college or a university. Um, but beyond that, I don't know a single person who had a business. And, and and the ones who had a business, it wasn't some big flourishing business. It was essentially maybe they, I, I don't know, I had a cousin of mine in uh, Kashmir that he like bought cars and then he sold cars. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like a business, right? In the sense that it's not like there was a sign on the wall and there was like an office and those sort of things. It was more so like, oh, well, I bought this and I'll sell it and I'll make a bit of a markup. So... I don't think my attitudes, whether it was in Kashmir or whether it was in this country, changed at all until I would say 2016. Um, 
because of you know the nature of social media. Whereas before 2016, it was like sorry, even even 13 in this country. Yeah, there was there was always a kid. Like you know, if you think back, if you think back to it, right, in school up till 2013, who was the entrepreneur? The kid who sold sweets in school. That was as entrepreneurial as, as you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, I barely did it. Like whereas. To me, the people who were like doing it every single day, I did it like once every six months, right? Whereas there, there were people who were doing it on a daily, that they would go to the shop, they would restock every single day. Mm. That was as entrepreneurial as it got. Whereas if, if you think about it today and you look at a 15-year-old, someone has like an eBay shop, someone has an Etsy shop, someone's got a YouTube channel, mm. someone's got a podcast, someone's flipping cards, someone, uh, you know, there's like a hundred different businesses that someone can be doing. And so you're in that mindset of actually, maybe I can be doing something else. Um, but I, I don't think I was contrarian enough to uh, sort of think, well, actually, maybe I can do something else. And I, and I think, you know, in terms of failures, that that probably is the biggest one, right? Which is, I think I've pretty much followed the crowd like most people have to a large degree. I kind of just got a bit fortunate that I didn't get a job. So I, you know, couldn't follow the crowd for a while. But beyond that, I, was, I wasn't thinking, let's take some big chances and so on and so forth. I was just doing you know, they're the safest thing possible, just like everyone else. Economics degree, you mean? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously you said that, um, you know, you would have taken that that job with Deloitte and then obviously that would have been the sort of what you just said, the sort of, I suppose, safe path as well as the following the crowd path. But actually, your life's turned out the opposite and you've not, You've not had a job, and now you're a kind of complete, um, you know, full-time entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, it could have worked out so differently, couldn't it? Oh, 100%. I, you know, like I said earlier, if I had got that job, I, I would be in that job right now. Because because the thing is, I would have convinced myself that I've spent years trying to get this job, or like a, or, or a job, right, in finance. Finally, I have this job, and I would have convinced myself that, let's just do something on the side. Let's just do something on the weekends. Uh, let's just do something in the evenings. And I 100% would have convinced myself because when university feel, uh, sorry, you know, earlier I said, when you're in university, nothing feels real. But the second university finishes, everything feels real. <laughs> because what happens is mm. everyone now mm. has a job. Everyone now is an adult. You know, like I know you're an adult once, once you're not in your teens anymore, but you're still in university. It's like It's like a fake reality. Now you finish university, you know, almost at the day you finish, I, I can't remember the experience exactly, but everyone's now, oh, okay, you know, in one month time, I'm starting my job at this company or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And you're sitting there like thinking, hold on a second. It's like, uh, uh, like you know, I, I'm falling behind big time here because everyone who went to university to do that three-year stint, that has now finished. Everyone else has moved on to whatever they were going to do. And you're, you're kind of a square one. So that... that you know, the, the fear involved in starting something is so big that I just, I don't know, I don't think I, I would have convinced myself at that moment in time that, you know, forget the job, I'll apply next year. Especially because I, by the way, the flip to this is, if I had applied for 30 jobs and I had got 18 internships, it's easy. I would have convinced myself, I'll take two years off. I, I've got this easy. I'll apply, I'll apply for jobs again in a year's time. I didn't get a single one. So if I had finally got one, and th- which would have made me realize how hard it actually is to get one, to then turn it down, you know, to, to try something which uh, which I have no idea if it's going to work or not, I, 
I don't think I would have convinced myself at that moment in time. So this, I wanted to sort of deep dive into what you just said around fear of entrepreneurship, because I think that's a really interesting subject. But I also think as a follow-up or a side question, in some ways is that given where you were at that point, as in you didn't have, you didn't get that uh, internship or graduate scheme with Deloitte, you'd been knocked back by 30 employers. So in some ways, you didn't have that much to lose by just saying, well, I'm going to going to see where this entrepreneurial ventures take me but there was still a big fear from you about taking the plunge so what was that fear where did it come from so and what were you scared of losing yeah yeah you you if you be absolutely irrational about it um technically there is nothing to lose because i've just finished university i can live at home it doesn't cost me anything um there isn't I'm not losing any money from it. There is virtually nothing to lose. But I think a lot of people fit into that bucket where technically there isn't that much to lose. And I was listening to our talk once from this, he was like a modern day philosopher and he was saying that, you know, the financial um, worries is not necessarily the worst thing for a lot of people at the same time, especially in the West. Because if something really goes wrong, you have, you know, you have council benefits and you have council housing. I know it's not, the easiest thing to get in the world but but you know let's just say the financial for or you might have six months of saving then you can say well technically fine you'll lose six months of savings but it's not going to kill you right so I, I don't think it's a financial worry which um i i know it is for some so especially with the cost of living and everything else but i'm just coming from the point of view that let's just say someone's got 12 months of savings or eight months of savings or four months of savings or whatever they can technically do attempt something for four months and if it doesn't work then get another job right but even in that situation, I don't think people will um, for the same reason that I didn't, which is I think though there is no tangible physical uh, loss, I think it's it's like the mental loss almost, right? Which is that, okay, well, everyone else is getting ahead. I'm already getting anywhere. Uh, what if it doesn't work? What if I waste the next four years of my life? If I waste the next four years and I've got nothing in my CV, then if I then do I have to, if I then have to apply for a job, well, I've got four years of not doing anything. It's like, how is that going to look? So you, it's it's the it's 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 essentially all the stakes, which is not necessarily financial, but it's all it's the social stakes. Like, where am I going to be in five years' time compared to everyone else? And yeah, we're social creatures, and social comparison is a big thing. You're always comparing yourself to colleagues and friends and family, and uh, uh, you know, like people in your surrounding area. And so, if you if you just think <clears throat> that, okay. I've just finished university. In 10 years' time, everyone's going to be, I don't know, live really high up in their jobs and they're going to be partners and, you know, like consultants and so on and so forth. And I might have some shitty, tiny business making £2,000 a month, right? There is, because of the social comparison, there is a lot of pressure from that point of view. If you make it rational, yeah, you can argue, well, that's £2,000, you get to do what you love and all that sort of stuff, but that's not how people evaluate things in life, right? You evaluate based on how well other people are doing and therefore you want to do just as well because of the social status attached to it and so on and so forth. And so I, I think for me, a lot of the pressure was, like I said earlier, finish university. Um, everyone else in a month's time is about to get on with their lives, right? And you're, you're, you're sitting in your bedroom trying to work out what do I do here? And, and with no certainty that it's actually going to work. I mean, entrepreneurship is complete uncertainty 
And so I, I think it's just because of that social comparison and social status that everyone's subconsciously or consciously trying to chase um, that you have a lot of pressure. So there's a fear of being left behind? Yeah, essentially. I, I mean, I might not have thought it in very conscious, yeah, you know, like in necessarily a very conscious way at that moment in time that, oh, I'm going to get left behind. But you know, a lot of times you might fear something, you might not even necessarily know why you fear it. Like, for example, a lot of people just have fears, but if you say to them, well, exa- what exactly is the fear? They can't describe it perfectly. That, well, well, I think, you know, if I, if I did this and that happened and my friend did this, there was just a lot of fear that what if it doesn't work? So, so the fear was, what if it doesn't work? And I think where that stems from is the social status. I'm going to get left behind. Everyone's going to get progress in their lives and I'm still going to be doing this stupid thing. And uh, so many people said it's not going to work. And like, what, you know, like, what, what if they're right? And then in five years' time, you kind of have to say, well, hold on a second, like, you were right. Like, you know, I've just wasted five years of my life and I probably should have listened. And that's a hard thing to accept at the same time. You know, when someone said, like, this is a stupid idea and you have too much ego to listen and you kind of just, you know, pursue it anyway because you think, no, 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 well, this is going to work and you have some optimism or you just want to prove someone wrong. But at the same time, you know, if you get it wrong, then, um, you know, so the other person has a lot of bragging rights, right? And to, well, because they said mm-hmm. this shit was not going to work. Um, so I, I think it, I think it's all of that. I don't think at that moment in time I was thinking about it that logically as, as I am right now because I, I think I spent a lot of time working out like where fears come from and um, so on and so forth. So I, I think I can articulate it a lot better now. But at that moment in time, it was just like, this is not going to work. I fear that this is not going to work. How do I, how do I solve this issue? I, it, it wasn't anything beyond. But what and what led you then to overcome that uncertainty and that fear and that doubt to then take the plunge and say? And you said earlier that you said I would give your yourself twelve months in entrepreneurship. How did you go from that fear and that doubt into I'm just going to do this? I, I remember watching a talk. Um, it might have been like a Steve Jobs talk or something else. I can't remember exactly. And it was a, it was along the concept of the person was talking about how, I think it was Steve Jobs actually, that even if you give something a go and you spend 12 months doing it and you fail, that experience would be worth significantly more than you not giving it a go at all. I'm paraphrasing here. And I thought, well, you know, that mm. that is right. And then the other thing was, I kind of convinced myself that at the age of 21, and, you know, to be fair, it doesn't matter if you're 21 or if you're 41, the same the same principle applies. It's kind of like, that quote, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? 10 years, you know, the first best time is 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Like, you know, that kind of thing. So I convinced myself that, okay, at 21, this is going to be, as least risky as possible because at 31 i'll probably have a lot more baggage of life maybe i'm married maybe i've got like kids or something and so i can risk myself that this is going to be the easiest time so if i can't if i can't convince myself right now i will never be able to convince myself and so if you're 41 you know you can apply the same thing which is at 51 you might have even more responsibilities so if you can't do it now then you're not going to do it at 51 or 61 or 71 because as I think as life progresses, responsibilities increase and baggage increases and things, you know, people get ill and so on and so forth. So I just, I literally just conditioned myself to believe that, okay, 
this is like playing on level easy. If, if, I, if I can't even do it on level easy, there's no way I'm doing this on level medium or level hard or level extra hard. Um, and, and that, in a weird way, kind of convinced myself and gave me a lot of confidence that, I, I, well, not only do I have nothing to lose technically, yeah, yeah, I'll give you like another example. I went to like a, uh, so I, I got married in the summer and um, I went on a month-long honeymoon and I didn't really want to go initially because I was like, well, you know, a month, I've got a lot of work to do and when you're running your own business, it's always, you know, hard to take a month off. But then at the same time, I was thinking, if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to do it because when else am I going to have mm. a chance? Because my, my wife, she had a three-month sabbatical, so, she, you know, she couldn't, uh, Next, it's not like next year she could just take a month off. So it was like, yeah, I'll get an opportunity now, and the next time I might get a month-long opportunity, it might be in like 40 years' time. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I just evaluated things from that point of view that if I don't if I do not do it now, I convinced myself that I would never do it because there would not be a better time than this. And to me, that was enough to sort of get me over the line that, okay, you know what, I need to give this a go because there's no better time. And there was also a Gary Vee video where he, he mentioned something very, very similar that, you know, when you're 21, it's like that is a time to go all in. You can't go all in. Of course, I'm talking from my perspective at that moment in time, but it's harder to go all in at 31, at 41, at 51, at 61, when you might have kids and you might have a mortgage and you've got car bills and so on and so forth. Going all in, the younger you are, the easier it is. Not to say people can't do it when they're older, but I'm just, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot harder for them than it was for me. Uh, and, and, and they really have to think about it. So, but, but like I said, even if you're 41 or 51, life is not going to get easier, right? It's not going to get easier in two years or three years or four years. So relatively, um, still easier today than it is tomorrow. And, and and that was enough for me to kind of get me over the line. No, definitely. I, I think the, the Gary Vee thing is he talks about that a lot. And I agree with that is essentially when you're younger, you have got more room to try uh, things and experiment and, and, and actually fail and, and, for them not to work because then you've still got lots of years ahead of you to succeed, I suppose. But I would also agree that for anyone, you know, listening who has doubts about starting at any age, I would say it's better to start than not to start and start today than procrastinate and say, I'm going to do it next year. Mm. Um. So what did you, what was your first like entrepreneurial venture then in the, you know in that 12 months so the first thing i came up with um it was a pretty good idea at the time really <laughs> but basically I, I was i was on a holiday once and i was playing music from my phone and um but we were in like a in like, in like a taxi like a minivan taxi kind of thing and it was quite loud so i thought well hold on a sec what if, if what if you could play a song from one phone and it would synchronize with another phone and the speakers would sync and it would turn into like a mini portable speaker Imagine you had like four or five phones playing the same song at the same time rather than everyone pressing play at the same time. Like it would just do it automatically. It would turn into a one big speaker. Uh, and, and I, that is a good idea. Yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a great idea, to be honest. <laughs> and, and then um, <laughs> and, 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 and it was me and a friend of mine. We had someone build like a prototype and it kind of worked, but it, it was the sync was slightly off and you know we were still toying with the idea. But then at the same time, I was thinking, well, hold on a sec. Like... It, even if I've got an app, let's say the app works, what's, what's step two? Like, like, how do I get, you know, how do I get someone to download it? Like, where do I even go with this? Yeah, fine, I've got an app, which kind of works. Where do I put this? How do people find out about this? Like, do I run ads? Like, like, like where, where do I even go? 
And so I, I couldn't really work that out. And plus the app wasn't really working because it was glitching and it, like the synchronization would fail. So I thought, well, this is too hard. So I'll move on to something else. Um, had another idea that, you know, if you have like, for example, let's say you just want to, I don't know, play football or like you want to play like indoor cricket or something. It's very hard to get facilities and there's a lot of, un, you know, not wasted real estate, but untapped assets, right? So for example, my school had a sports gym. Now, school closes at 3 p.m., but I'm sure someone could use it in the evenings uh, and the school can make some money out of it and, you know, you'd want to use it if you want to play indoor football or whatever. So I thought maybe I can get in touch with all these schools and stuff and build a website with all these venues in place and uh, then people can book them, make some sort of margin. You know, again, it's not that it was a bad idea. I think it was, yes, it can work, but also there are so many reasons it might not work which I don't even know uh, because you have blind spots. And so I would have an idea and then I would just procrastinate purely because I wouldn't know where to go and there was too much uncertainty that what if I spent two years or three years or four years attempting this and what if it doesn't work? Because there was no proof that it was going to work, right? Like it's just an app and it's just a website. Like just because someone else has a good website doesn't mean that your website is also going to work. And so... Because of the level of uncertainty, I wouldn't really pursue it. I would kind of half-heartedly pursue it for like a month or maybe two months and have some meetings and, you know, say to my friend, oh, like, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And what if we buy this domain name? So I, I think at one point, like, I had another business idea. And I think at one point I had like four websites and four different domain names and, you know, like 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 four business cards and stuff. <laughs> that, but, but all of that stuff you're essentially, all you're doing is just setting up, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting started. But you know, you're not actually doing anything which is going to get the business off the ground. You're just doing stuff to convince yourself that I'm making progress here. But a website and a business card, buying a domain name is not progress. Um, that, that's yeah. just that, that's just like fake efforts which you put into place just to convince yourself that, yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I'm, I'm busy, I'm doing stuff. And so I, with any of those businesses, I actually didn't really do anything which would get you off the ground. And I think that's inherently because I gave myself 12 months. I didn't actually believe it was going to work. And then, by the way, maybe it would have. I'm, I'm just saying, but there was so much doubt from that, uh, you know, from that perspective that I didn't think it was going to work, so I, I would half-heartedly attempt something. It's like if someone's trying to lose weight and they don't think the gym's really going to work for them, yeah, they might go and they might, like, you know, jog for a bit and then, they, they you know, they'll just come back because they don't believe it's going to work. You're not going to go there and do it your all if you don't think it's going to work. Um, so that that's the space I was in. Then I came across property. I I really stuck it out with property because I think the prop the property stuff was the first business where I could look at someone else and I could say, well, all I have to do is just copy what this person's doing, and if they can do it, then I can do it. I couldn't do that with the app. Couldn't do that with the website. With property, I'm like, okay, well, this guy's doing this in. Um, you know, in London, this guy's doing this in Peterborough. Okay, all I have to do is find out exactly step-by-step step what this person's doing. I'll copy those steps and, and and I'll go from there. So got involved with the property. I started looking at different strategies like deal packaging and rent-to-rent and rent-to-rent service accommodation and so on and so forth. Probably would have spent about six months, maybe not six months, but like four or five months chasing you know the shiny penny right oh well maybe i can do this maybe i can do that maybe i'll do that strategy maybe i'll do some viewings go to some networking events but again nothing really was sticking because again though someone else had done it and though you could see the steps 
when I got into it, I thought, well, this person is doing it, so all I have to do is copy and paste it, and that's, I'll get the same result. So, you know, you, you go to the courses, and you go to the events, and you meet the people, and when it comes to finally starting, you then again have the same hesitation, and but this time it's like, oh, well, maybe it's working for him because, you know, he has experience, and he's based in Peterborough, but because I'm in Stevenage, I don't think it's going to work in Stevenage, and maybe he had the financial backing, and I don't, you know, I don't have the financial backing. You find a way to convince yourself out of it, <laughs> you know, like even even if it's like step by step. Like for example, I'd gone from an app which had no certainty whatsoever to a property business, which I would say had eighty five percent certainty because someone else had done it. There's still fifteen percent uncertainty, and so so the brain latches onto that, and you go, "Yeah, it works for that guy because you know he's he's done it before, right? and like things were different in twenty eighteen, and like well now this is twenty twenty two, and so you know it doesn't work anymore, and you know like." You, you will find some sort of reason to convince yourself that this shit is not going to work. Um, again, I, I I realized that pattern was happening. And so what happened was I went to a networking event and there was someone who was already running a service combination business. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is, because I, I was like, I just need momentum. I just need to kind of like prove to my, not myself, but like to my brain almost, as if like me and my brain are like two separate entities, right? That I need to like convince my brain that this is this actually works. So I said, what I'll do is I'll find this person. Uh, I I met them. I said I'll work for you for free. I'll work for commission. I'll you know um, view properties. I'll help find investors. Blah blah blah. I'll do everything, and I'll I I want a tiny percentage. It wasn't. It's not that I was trying to get money. What I was trying to do was I was just trying to do something for real, right? Like I I wanted to like actually like taste it for real like i actually wanted to be involved in something and like sign a document and like view a property and i like actually raise money because that that made it real up till that point everything had been theoretical that yeah it, it, it might work it might not work and so i did about four five six deals with that person whereby i was helping them with everything and because i was involved in five six deals that was the first time like from an entrepreneurship point of view from a business point of view that it actually became like real like, you know, like money was coming in and I could see, I you know, it was a service accommodation business for like renting properties in Airbnb that people were actually booking and that was actually making money and the, and the property existed and we had contracts in place and like, yeah, you know, like everything was like up and running. Um, and, and I think- So it overcame the uncertainty. Yeah, because now it was real. Now it wasn't like, oh, well, it, it works for that guy because he's based on our location. Now it was actually happening. And I actually recommend the same thing to everyone else, which is, you know, if you're starting out, just and maybe you have a full time job, just find someone and see if you can work for them for free, uh, or for like commission, not because of the money, not because of even the experience, but because of the confidence that this is real. Like for example, you know, mm. if you think about your job, um, if you had to do your job as a business, whatever industry you're in, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people wouldn't be able to convince themselves that they can do it. But because it's a job, and you know you have to turn up at 9, 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., even if it's something complex, yeah, you, you'll kind of work it out because it's, you're sort of in the cog and there's other people doing it and you can reach out to help. But if someone was like some sort of, I don't know, like accountant, like property accountant, you said now you have to start a property accounting business, right? Where you have to like do the marketing yourself and the sales yourself. They wouldn't do it because it's, it's much, much harder. But, but I just feel like if you can like make it real first, right? But it just almost like, doing it as a bit of a job, right? That, okay, I want to sell a rent-to-run HMO business. That's just too hard. I'm going to find someone who's doing it. I'll just work for them for free. I'll, I'll do it for like six months. By the end of six months, 
you'll know exactly what to do, what not to do, how it works, and it'll feel real. And uh, I, I think that that confidence is worth more than the experience and the uh, I, you know and, and the money and everything else which comes with it. Lost to unpack there. Going back to the app and the the venue hire website, which I think are interesting kind of business ideas, but then contrasting that with you know you going into sort of Airbnb um, management and and running that as a business, but you got proof of concept by the sounds of things from you know mentoring as well that I would you know kind of informal mentoring right and learning and working for that person why did you ever try that or think about doing that for the 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 first two businesses because it could have been that if you'd got proof of concepts on one of those business ideas at the beginning that you might have taken the path of going with one of those if if i had some sort of like mentoring in the first two businesses yeah exactly because it sounds like most of the a lot of the the language you used around those first maybe initial few businesses, including the, the initial sort of six months in property, was all around the, you kept having doubt and uncertainty and you weren't seeing enough progress. So therefore, your doubt kept coming back. And I'm just thinking, was there ever any a moment that, or ever a moment that you just, you thought I could actually get some proof of concept on those initial few ideas i i don't know like for example i, I think again it's very different right now purely because right now if you yeah, even when you say mentoring right it's like if i go back to 2016 it wasn't that common uh, like for example i i wouldn't even know who to reach out to at that moment in time like you know nowadays everyone knows about uh the, the vcs and the accelerators and the mentors and the coaches and the business events and everything else at that moment in time, it felt like it was me and my friend, and we were just trying to work out what to do here. Um, you know, even with the proof of concept. To my point, at that moment in time, I literally thought, well, okay, even if I have an app which works, fine. There's proof of concept, but it's like then what? Like I, I had no real clarity on how this thing would actually turn into something for real. I think with property, um, for example, right now, if someone has a proof of concept you know you can apply to like accelerators. You know you can apply to like Y Combinator or something. Mm. You know you can um, go and pitch field for money. Back then I was like, well, what do I, okay, I've got a proof of concept. Now what? Like, like what, <laughs> what happens next? Um, and even with social media content nowadays, you can probably just YouTube, okay, what do I do at this stage? Again, you know, it was like very early days in terms of the information there, in terms of like how would you actually go about doing it? So, and by the way, this is like, you know, like I said, I had never done anything entrepreneurial. So it wasn't like I had some sort of game plan sketched out in terms of, well, if I get a proof of concept, then I can do this. And if I can do that, then I can do the next step. Uh, it, was, it was just like a complete unknown. Other than, okay, well, yeah, let's let's build a business. Let's, let's see what happens. And I think even my take on businesses has changed quite a lot since I was 21 to now 28. Um, you know, at that moment in time, I was, I was like very naive into in terms of what can even work what can't work and like I said you have so much optimism when you're starting out that oh well I'll just give this thing a go and let's see let's see what happens and everyone's read this you know statistics that well 96% of businesses fail and so on and so forth but would you have like a lot of optimism and optimism that well actually you know maybe I can make mine work because I'm more qualified than the other person and so on and so forth 
but be, but beyond that fake confidence to some degree um i personally i mean maybe it's different now but i personally didn't really have anything else to back that up with which i which would give me any sort of certainty that okay if i can just get to this milestone then i can do the next step and if i can just get to that milestone then i can do the next thing for for me the whole thing was vague um i, I think someone you know listening to stuff like this nowadays would be thinking okay well all i need is a proof of concept and if i've got a proof of concept I can reach out to this guy. I can message this guy on Instagram. Maybe I can get a meeting. I, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> Do you think that's what it was? Do you think that was it was the sort of lack of knowledge more than anything, rather than the fact that those business ideas didn't sort of progress and move forward? Because, you know, ultimately, um, they did sound like interesting business ideas, but it was kind of like you weren't sure how to move forward and actually get that proof of concept and you know and as the sort of the lean startup book talks about getting a that early kind of test product built to then get feedback from customers to see whether that's actually something that the market wants yeah i i think you know certainty well yeah well let's just go back a step i think confidence comes from certainty and i think certainty comes from clarity and so when you don't have clarity in terms of what you're doing or what the path looks like, then you don't have any certainty that it's going to work. I mean, how could you have certainty, given that you have no idea how it's going to work? And if you have no certainty, then you have no confidence because you're now doing something which you don't think is going to work. So, I mean, there just have to be three you know, C, C, and C. But I, I do think that is a part which is, you know, when you're very clear, like, for example, like, I, I'm very like I'm very clear and very confident that if I have a certain amount of protein and I go to a gym five times a week, I know, I know I will gain muscle. Like I know I will lose fat and I will gain muscle. Like I'm, you know, I've got clarity on that because I know the science behind it, which gives me certainty, which gives me confidence, and therefore, if that is my goal, I will go to the gym as long as I'm disciplined. Right? I will go to the gym. Whereas at the same time. If, if let's say someone who's struggled to maybe lose weight in the past, right? And they don't really have any clarity in terms of how does it actually work because yeah, everything is so confusing nowadays. One says, one guy says have carbs. The other guy says don't have carbs. One guy says has fat. The other guy says don't have fats. You know, one guy says be vegan and one person says eat meat. Yeah, and so on and so forth. So you have no, you have no clarity in terms of what's going to work. Now, when you have no clarity, the opposite of clarity is overwhelming confusion. Uh, confusion is not going to give you any sort of um, um, what's it called certainty and if you have no certainty you're not going to pursue that thing so I would say yeah knowledge definitely is a factor there but uh, you know what I think even is even more important than knowledge though is because the problem with knowledge is when you're starting out when you gain a lot of, a lot of knowledge it also comes with a lot of confusion for example, let's say someone's starting a property business because I get this all the time. They they read a bunch of books, they got a bunch of courses, they listen to a bunch of podcasts, and by the end of it, they don't have clarity, they have conf they have confusion. Uh, because now it's like, well, do I do HMO? Do I do service accommodation? Do I invest up north? Do I invest down south? Uh, do I buy a flat? Do I buy a house? And so when you gain knowledge, the first step, the first result of that actually is confusion. Um the, the real way you get clarity, I think, is from experience and from immersion. So, like, maybe actually working with someone, working with, whether it's mentoring, whether it's working with someone, but real hands-on actually doing it. 
So knowledge plus experience, I think, gives you um, clarity, which gives you confidence. Which uh, sorry, which you know gives you certainty, which gives you confidence. But yeah, knowledge is definitely a big, big factor in there. If you have no knowledge, experience is not going to help. I mean, you wouldn't even know where to begin. So knowledge is definitely the first step. But I think that step has to be coupled with some sort of experience. Because, for example, I was speaking, had a call with someone else earlier, and he, he does a bit of like MMA. And he was like, you can read about MMA all you want, but until you actually do MMA, it's not the same thing. And that's the same thing with property. That's the same thing with everything else. You can read about property all day long. You can read it every book and go in every single course, the first deal you look at, you'll be just as confused as you were before you did all the courses. Mm. Because if anything, you'll be more confused because now you're aware of so many things which can go wrong, which you were never aware of previously. So yeah, knowledge is the first step, but I think you need experience to go with that. However you get that experience, whether it's working for free, uh, whether it's getting by mentored by someone who tells you, you know, this week you need to do this and next week you need to do that and so on and so forth. And those businesses that that didn't kind of work out, doesn't sound like you you had the clarity. No, oh, I had no clarity whatsoever. Yeah. And is there is there anything that you think you could have done differently to have got that clarity in your hindsight? Uh, yeah, for sure. I I think what I would have done if I if I was in there today, what I would have done is I would have found um, networking events. I would have found Facebook groups where maybe people had made apps in the past, people who are working on apps currently. Uh, I, I know now that there's actually loads of uh, events on Eventbrite where people, you know, do coding events and there's like all these like uh, summits and so on and so forth. I, I would have gone to every single one. I would have linked up with every single person there who I could, you know, possibly find. And uh, I would have just started to build my experience and I would, sort of, I would start to have those conversations. Okay, well, I've got this idea. How did you do yours? How did how did this happen? How did how did you get funding for this thing? This is 2016. I was in a bit of an echo chamber where I thought it was me and my friend, and we were trying to figure out everything by ourselves, which is not going to happen because you know there's only two of us. But imagine you had a group of 50 of you, and I'm not saying this is a group which meets up for lunch every every day or every week, but you have people on WhatsApp. You got you got some people at the events. You got some people in some sort of mentoring circle. It, it doesn't matter what it is. But you have some sort of consortium where loads of people are doing different things. Like, you know, I've got a YouTube channel. I, I haven't been to one uh, purely because all of these are in America. But I know in America, you have a lot of different YouTube summits. So you have uh, different YouTube like conferences, right, where um, people get around and they, they talk about their channels and so on and so forth. If I was starting a YouTube channel and I lived in America, that is the first place I would go. Because imagine you're trying to figure out how to run a property business. You, and, and you spent eight hours a day trying to work out how to do this. But now imagine there was like 50 of you and you're all spending eight hours a day. Well, that's 50 times eight hours, which is, I don't know, a, a lot of hours per day. And if you if you um, met, each, met, met up with everyone once a week, now, now everyone's benefiting from everyone's knowledge and perspective and experience and so on and so forth. So I, and by the way, that's what I did. Funnily enough, thinking back, again, it wasn't some master plan, but thinking about that is what I did with property. That with property, because I, because I read a property book, which said there's a property event, I went to the event, and then they said there's another event, and I went to another event. And so I integrated myself with anyone and everyone who did property. I would go to every networking event, I would read every book, I would go to like these, uh, these mentoring things, and so on and so forth. Not even necessarily because of knowledge or like top tips, but just because 
oh, what's this person doing? How are they doing it? Like, like how, how can it be done in my area? How can, you know, how can I raise money? How did you raise money? It, it, you know, you learn some, that, that's kind of what, what I was alluding to earlier about immersion. You, you will learn more from immersion than you will from reading a book. And so funnily enough, with property, I did, I did exactly that. Maybe not consciously. Yeah, and that's when things started to change, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Because because now I had people who were actually doing it who I can say, oh well, I'm I I live in Stevenage. How do I do this in Stevenage? And someone would say, oh well, that person also lives in Stevenage. Maybe you should speak to them. Whereas you know, with the app thing, it was like, who you know, who's doing it? How does it work? Does it even work? Whereas with property, you can you know you can meet up with someone and you can say, hey, I've got this problem. I have no idea if this is going to work or not. And they could say, well, actually, I spoke to I spoke to Joe and I spoke to uh, you know, I don't know, John or something. And uh, John said, well, actually, I had a similar problem in May with my property in Cornwall. It's like there's a way of problem solving because someone else had maybe solved a similar problem. It might not be exactly the same. And then they can say, well, actually, I've got a really good solicitor who can solve this problem. So, so you can you, you, you can bounce ideas. Whereas with the app stuff, it's like if I, if I had a problem, that was, that was game over because it's like, well, where, where is the solution? And am I going to spend the next six months trying to figure out a solution which might not even work. Um, so I think going back to your point about MVPs and the Lean Startup, if you think about it, having some sort of group of people that you can like bounce ideas with, that is an MVP. But I mean, if someone's listening who doesn't know what an MVP is, it's just a minimum viable product, i.e. figure out in the quickest way possible if something is going to work or not. Well, if you do service accommodation and I'm just starting and I say, okay, well, I don't my Airbnb listing sucks. I don't think it's going to work. I, I can get feedback very quickly if you also are doing Airbnb with a similar type of property because you can just say, well, well, you can fix X, Y, and Z. And so that feedback loop is so much faster if I can just bounce ideas with someone who's already doing it. And that doesn't matter how you do it, whether it's a, a formal mentoring group, whether it's just a bunch of people at a coffee shop, whether it's you work for someone for free, it, it doesn't matter. The What you're trying to achieve is some sort of feedback loop with people who are also doing something similar or they've done something similar uh, or who are in the process of doing something similar. And if you can keep doing that again and again, it, it will work. And I think my app would have worked if I had a similar mindset. But I didn't have that mindset. I don't even know where to go. Like, where, where's the event? I, I didn't even know there were events. I only knew there were property events purely because I wrote a book. And is that the... Was that one of your blind spots? I mean, you mentioned... The concept of blind spots earlier which i think is a, a fascinating area of business because we all have blind spots naturally because there's always experiences that we haven't encountered before in our business lives what blind spots did you have at the time and what do you think yeah what what, do, what would you see as your blind spots now yeah blind spots now i don't know um because it, well, I guess they're blind spots. <laughs> so um, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, so I, I don't know about blind spots now. I think the difference now is that I am. The difference now is I am now aware that I have blind spots, whereas previously I wasn't aware that I had blind spots. I thought, you know, in a weird way, I, I know. At one point, I'm saying I don't have clarity, but at the same time, because I'd read a bunch of books, I, I thought, well, this is how it works. Like, I, I kind of know everything. Um, I, I wasn't actively thinking about. Like I, I wasn't challenging myself that oh what what do I not know like how how do I fill that gap? It was just more like well this is how it works I write a book on this and whatever and like I'll I'll just give it a go. Whereas now I'm like 
whenever I whenever I have a new idea, funnily enough, I went to I was speaking at an event last week. Someone gave me an idea. Instantly, I emailed three people. One's a um, planning consultant. One's an architect. One person who had done it before. Email them. Let's do a call. I've got a whole bunch of questions. I've no idea if this is actually going to work or not. I would have never done that previously. I, I would have gone. This is a great idea. Let's start pursuing this because, well, John said it works, right? Now I'm like, there are so many things I don't even know, and I need to like dig further. I ne- I need to speak to people who have experience of that exact thing or something similar to it so I can work out where the issues are. Spoke to a bunch of people. One was like, well, that's an issue. The other one was like, well, that's an issue. The other one was like, that's an issue. These are the things you have to fix. And within two hours, I know pretty much everything I need to know. Whereas in the past, I would just assume, well, because Joe said it, it must be right and therefore I'll, I'll just crack on. So I, I wasn't aware of blind spots. Um, so, so that's one answer. The blind spots back then, I, I think in terms of I, I was the, the biggest blind spot back then was uh, my belief was that if you know everything you can do everything because a lot of people pitch that knowledge is power that if you know it you can do it but I don't, and that's not true just because you know something it doesn't mean you can do that particular thing right and so I had the mind sort of okay I need to watch every single video I need to read every single book I need to listen to every single podcast I need to make I need to make as many notes as possible because if I know it that means I can go and do it Right. The reality is that's not true. If the MMA was a MMA was a good example, you can read about MMA for the next ten years. The second you go in a cage with someone, it's like that doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. what you read is not going to help you. So the biggest that was the biggest blind spot. Now, for example, if I'm working on something new, I'm not thinking I need to know everything. I'm thinking how do I just do the first iteration as quickly as possible so I can learn from that experience and then work out what's the next thing I need to do from here? And then what's the next thing I need to do from here? So I'm not trying to become perfect before starting. Whereas in the past, my aim was I need to know every single thing because if I know it, I can do it. Whereas now I know the more I know, funnily enough, the less I can do because it creates so much confusion. So with with my YouTube channel, so with property, what I did was my mindset was I will learn everything because if I can learn everything, I can do everything. And it worked for me not because of the learning but because I was at the same time immersing myself and actually meeting people actually doing things with my YouTube channel uh, and I think I've had you know somewhat success with my YouTube channel in in the property YouTube UK niche um, my the approach is very different I, I don't try to like my aim is not to learn everything which is physically you know, like not learn every single thing possible I, I've got a couple of people who mentor me on my YouTube channel and so what I do is I say to them, I'm making this video, help me make this video. I don't I don't care how it works in America and how it works in India and how it works for a music video and how it works for a gaming video. It's like, th- this is what, what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to learn every single thing about YouTube because just because you know it, it doesn't mean you can make a good video. You actually have to make a video and then you have to get feedback on that video and then you go, actually, well, maybe you know I can improve this, I can improve this, I can improve this. And whilst you're actually doing it, you start to realize, well, actually... I would have never even thought of asking this question to anyone because you can't foresee challenges until you're actually involved in something. Like, you know, like, if you if you think about any profession, it's only when you get deep into something do you realize what the real challenges are. From the surface, you have no idea what the issues could be. It's like, if, if my computer breaks, 
you know, I don't know. To me, it might sound like uh, I might be thinking, well, well, maybe the memory card's broken or something. Whereas someone who actually fixes computers, they might say, well, you know, because of this RAM thing, bad thing has happened, which as a result, bad things happened. Like you can't, you can't get that from just like reading a book. Like you actually have to do it for real. So the biggest blind spot was do not try to come up with a master plan before you're starting out. As, as much as you would like to do that, and I know why you would like to do that, because I tried to do the same thing myself, which is, like, it feels good that, okay, well, now I know everything and I'm still learning. And, yeah, you know, you convince yourself that, well, I'm still in the learning stage and I'm developing this and soon I'll be ready. The, the reality is the more you know, unfortunately, the less action you will take purely because it will it creates so much confusion. So the, the solution to that is learn the least amount possible in order to take the first step then learn a bit more to take the next step, then learn a bit more to take the next step and so on and so forth. Like like it has to be done in that order. It's, it's no different to, if you think about university, I, I went to university for three years, had lectures every single week. The first model is, which we do, you know, which I did, um, you go to a lecture, you go to all the lectures for three years, right? And at the end, you sit an exam. If you go to all the lectures for three years, you sit an exam, most likely you're not going to pass. The alternative is you go to a lecture, you then do the assignment from that lecture, you then go to your classroom where you get feedback on that assignment, right? Now you've actually immersed yourself, now you actually understand it. Now week two, you go to the second lecture, which builds on lecture one, but now you actually understand a bit more because you've actually done it. You've actually drawn the graph and you've done the calculations and you've labeled the graph and you've written your essay and so on and so forth. Lecture number two makes a bit more sense now because you've actually ingrained yourself. Then you, again, do the assignment and then you you know, get feedback on the assignment where the teacher says, well, actually, you did that wrong and maybe you could have improved this and so on and so forth. Then in three years' time, you sit the exam, you will actually pass. But to think you can go to university for three years, sit lectures for three years, and then sit an exam and pass, you know, there's no chance in hell. And that's exactly what I was doing with property, which is let me just download, let me just make notes on every single lecture, right? When I say lecture, I mean course, book, <laughs> podcast, mm. video. Mm. That is essentially the same as a lecture. Let, let me go to every single lecture and not do anything. And once I have made notes on every single lecture, it will all click into place because I've got every single lecture in the, in the UK down on my notes. Well, if anyone can pass an exam that way, like, like you know, you would have to have some sort of photographic memory or something. Right, but but I know it's not the case with ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people. It has to be done the same way as school, which is same thing happened in school, by the way. Uh, which is you went to a you know you did you went to class and you had homework, and the reason you had homework was so you can immerse yourself, because then the homework built on class two, then that built in class three, and so on and so forth. If you if someone ran a correlation of the people who didn't do homework and how well they did in exams, I think the correlation would be pretty pretty damn clear that those those people would fail. Or they would do worse compared to someone who had done weekly homework. Because as you do weekly homework, you're immersing yourself. You, you can't just listen to the teacher. And you know, what happens is, if you think back to like, when you watch a YouTube video, or when you go on a two-day course, three-day course, four-day course, someone gives you an example, and you go, well, this, this is the easiest shit in the world. It's like, it's, it's like, I could do this myself. And you go out and you do it for real, and, and you fail at step one. And if you think about it, do you remember like back to like maths class or something? Like the teacher would do an example on the board where they would have like, you know, if you have 50 pounds and you take away 20 pounds and you, you know, like whatever, like you get a fraction and so on and so forth. When you watch the teacher do it, you were like, oh, well, this is easy as I, I can do this myself. And then you had homework 
And all they did was like change the pound sign to like a dollar sign. And suddenly it was like, hold on a second, like, like, like none of this makes sense anymore. And that's the same thing with property, which is I might make a YouTube video where I um, go through a floor plan. This is how you turn a floor plan from a one bed into a two bed. And people are like, well, this is easy. They try to do it and they fail at step one. Uh, because the floor plan they look at might be slightly bigger, might be slightly smaller. The building might be uh, on the fourth floor, you know, not on the in, not on the ground floor. In 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 the real life, uh, when you have to do something for real, it's never going to be exactly the same as a world example, and that is not a problem. That's never been the case in school, in university, everywhere else. That is the point, which is you have a lecture, and then when you immerse yourself, there's different contexts you have to face. One HMO might be four rooms, one might be six rooms, one might be eight rooms. It's never going to be exactly the same as what the guy said on the course. But that's fine. That, that's how we learn things. But if you just go, okay, well, the guy in the course said it has to be six bedrooms and each bedroom has to be eight square meters and it has to have this fire door and unless it's, everything is exactly the same, this is not going to work. Uh, that's, yeah, you know, it, it's, it, that's not going to work. And I think also back to what you were talking about in terms of trying to know everything before starting everything in my experience, that is also a way of people procrastinating because the reading the books, the going on the courses, the the learning element, in some ways, is the comfort zone. Sure. Everyone can get into that. It's very easy. It's, it's the easier step. So in some ways, it's a way of protecting themselves from actually the, back to what you were talking about earlier, the the realities of it. You know, they're not having to do much hard work it's just about absorbing information so i think it there is a lot of because humans like progress um progress makes people feel good because they feel like well okay i'm making progress i'm, I'm on my way to succeeding right so when you go on a course the brain feels like it's making progress because you're like wow i learned so much on this course you know i learned so much on this youtube video but but it's actually fake progress in a way in the sense that it is progress because you're learning more but it's not progress in the sense that you're achieving more right so because you feel like you're making progress you can keep learning forever and you keep you keep feeling good about it because you're like well I'm, wow I'm, I'm learning so much I'm better than what I was yesterday but you already have to differentiate between progress in learning and progress in achieving because none of that's going to achieve anything it, it will give you progress in learning but your criteria of what progress is has to change. Otherwise, you can keep learning forever and, and you'll never do anything. So with those sort of entrepreneurial ventures, the app and the, and the website, and then obviously you starting off in, in property and sort of trying a few different things, do you see that as failure? Uh, do I see that as a failure in terms of the, the apps I started and, and the app which didn't work? Yeah, the fact that they didn't work. The fact that they didn't progress into a, you know, a business. I, I, I've never thought about it as failure, uh, and and that might be because I moved on and did something else, and that thing panned out for me. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one. On the surface, the app didn't work, so it it is a failure from that respect, right? But at the same time, I can now. In my, at that moment in time, I would have said that's a failure. And if you asked me that question the day after, I would have said, well, that, that failed, right? Thinking back now, I would say, well, actually, that allowed me to learn how things work. And like, for example, now I can look back and compare the app journey to the property journey. And I can 
point out very clear differences and that that helps me achieve a learning curve because i'm like okay well going forward i'm not going to do what i did with the app which is try to work on it with myself i'm going to find someone who's already done it before i'm going to meet with people uh and so there's a lot of learning from that so but without that experience i wouldn't have that learning at the same time and and same with property you know like i said i spent a lot of money on property courses and mentoring I wouldn't say it was a failure, but at the same time, my approach was completely wrong. It's like I shouldn't have sat there for months and months and months just making notes because that that does not work. But only by doing that and then by having a different approach, now I can contrast the two and I can say, well, actually, that one works because um, because of X, Y, and Z. But it's one of those things that if if you think about everything as a trial and error science experiment, you can only... Like you have to have a failed experiment to then pivot and work out what the correct experiment is. Like, you know, my, my analogy is they always say like with Edison, it's like he had what, 10,000 attempts at making the light bulb. Well, did he deem 9,999 as a failure or was it like, okay, well, that one didn't work so I need to move on to the next one? Or was it just more of a scientific approach of, okay, well, we need to keep experimenting until something works. So I, I look at it in a very similar way, which is that I only know what works now because of the stuff which didn't work but if i if i didn't do that and if i didn't fail then i wouldn't know today what does work so i kind of needed that failure for the lack of a better word in order to assess what does work um i i i think at that moment in time you think something has failed but only later can you sort of look back at it and say well okay well you know i i did learn something from it so in an ideal world, if you can learn something from it, you would say, well, I, I've learned something, therefore it's not a failure. Of course, it's very hard to convince yourself of that when you're actually failing. <laughs> you, know, you know, like when it's actually not working, it's very hard to go, ah, well, I learned something, I'll be what? Because it's really annoying at the time when it's not working. Um, success is, you know, I know it's a cliche, but successes don't really teach you as much as failures for obvious reason. Because if something works, what happens is you just, you just be one and you go, ah, well, that worked. Whereas when something fails, you actually sit down and think about why it didn't work and how you could make it work and so on and so forth. Um, success, I think, gives you commercial I mean, success. Obviously, that's the... Sorry, I'm just going to say success, I think, gives you commercial success and failure, I think, gives you more for, like mental success in the future if you use it the right way. So, yes, commercial success mm, is... A, what do you mean by mental success? Well, in the sense that, like, when you fail, it gives you mental success because you start to work out, okay, well, what needs to change? Like, does my perspective need to change? Do, do, do my habits need to change? Like what needs to change in order for me to not have that same experience again? And it also gives you mental strength because if you keep failing again and again, it's like you can you can deal with it better. Uh, whereas if you've never failed and you failed once, then it's you know it's much much harder to deal with. So when I say mental, I mean anything which relates to your internal self, whether it's habits, whether it's routines, whether it's mindset, whatever that is. So. Whenever you fail, it builds mental success. And whenever you succeed, it builds commercial success. And then you can define for yourself what's more important, the commercial or the mental. Do you think that's why there isn't that much content out there or messaging out there about failures? And there's a lot more around success because essentially from, what, from how you just defined it, failure is more an internal metric and because success is an external metric and people don't want to think inwardly? Well, I, I think, you know, society now is all about social stages. 
um, people would rather have status than they would have money, in my opinion. Like, for example, if, if I... If you had, if someone had two choices, one was you make a hundred thousand pounds and you're a CEO, or you make two hundred thousand pounds but you have like a really shitty job, right? Like I don't know, like like cleaning toilets at Burger King. Mm. You take the hundred thousand pound CEO job because it comes with more social status, right? Um, so I, I think because social status is the currency, then in order to optimize for that, you 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 know you have to focus on the successes. Now, in an ideal world, yeah, it'd be great if everyone focused on their internal selves. But because of the culture, because of Instagram, because of everything all that the society is now, it's all about social status. It's all, yeah, you know, I was I was watching this video once, and the, and the person was saying that whenever you meet someone new, the first thing you ask them is like, like, what do you do, right? And then you will judge them based on that. That okay, well, oh, this person's, mm. oh, you know, he's an he's an entrepreneur and he's making like good money. Like, wow, I, I want to hang out with this guy. Whereas someone had like a a job which wasn't glamorous or didn't pay well, you're probably, you know, you, you maybe you won't you wouldn't want to be friends with them or whatever. Well, okay, not friends because I guess this is more for like a professional networking thing. But you maybe you don't take their business card because you're like, ah, oh, well, what am I going to gain from this person, right? Yeah, you don't take them as seriously. Correct, yeah, correct. And, and, and so so. We all, to a subconscious on a subconscious level, behave that way. Now, I know we can all say, "Well, no, I'm more judgmental and so on and so forth." Yeah, but that's with your friends. That's with like your social circles. You might not be judgmental with your social circles, but if someone's successful, uh, like influencers, like like why is influencers, you know, like so such a big thing? Um, again, it's like the whole social status stuff. So, I, I think because of the prevalence of social status. And because everyone craves social status, success sells a lot more than failure and, you know, looking inwards and everything else. Um, there's a great book on this called Social Status Anxiety, which kind of like delves into this a lot more. Okay. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. So that, that failure around however you want to deem it, I suppose, because you probably didn't think about it in those terms at the time. Did that have any sort of personal impact on you? Did it, did it, was there any sort of anxiety, concern that, you know, these two business ventures hadn't worked and you, then you felt, did you ever feel kind of lost and not really sure where to go next? Yeah, I, I mean, so w what happened is, while those two were failing, you know, at the same time, I was in this mindset of like, I've given myself 12 months, I'm a few months in, this is, not really going anywhere and you you start to have a lot of those doubts and tells of well is anything ever really gonna pan out um uh, you know or am i just gonna have to like accept this and get, get a job in a few months and so of course when things aren't working out and yeah, yeah you know it's one of those things that as as failures drag like like the weight of those failures starts to increase at the same time month one it's not too bad month two you're like oh, okay well this, you know, this is really is not working, and, and, and then month three that kind of like increases and increases and increases. I think I again got fortunate, purely you know, purely because I like like I said, I met this person who was doing something, and I attached myself to that person. I also that didn't happen. I, I think I probably would have given up in one of those months, and, and I would have started applying for some sort of jobs because I would be like, well, okay, now I'm six months in, and I have done nothing. Like I, I have made no progress and but the the only thing i can show for the last six months is a, a bunch of notes in a notepad right which 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 means nothing like i've, I've been i've been going back and forth to london i've paid for my train tickets and networking events and i 
and I've, and I've got a bunch of business cards and I feel like I'm, I'm making all this progress because of I've all these contacts now and I've got some notes and I feel like I know how things work and I've read 50 books in this time. But none of that amounts to anything. Um, you, you know, when, when you're in that space because you, you want to make money. It, when I say money, I don't mean you want to be a millionaire, even if it's like 100 pounds, even if it's 500 pounds. You want to see some sort of tangible result and the, and the longer that drags when you haven't made any money whatsoever, whether it's 50 pounds or 1,000 pounds or 5,000 pounds, that, that waste starts to increase. So like, I, I think self-doubt and you know all those sort of things, they snowball. The, the longer you don't achieve success, the more it snowballs. And so that's why I say to people, just if, again, if I were going back now, you know, talking about Blast Wars earlier, I would not do the app. I would not do any of that. I would even go as far as, for example, if I was like, I need to start a business, like, like you know, where do I get from here? I would be thinking, what is the easiest, shittiest business I can start just so I can make 500 pounds? And that might mean maybe buying some stuff on Facebook Marketplace and selling it and like flipping things because it doesn't require that much skill set. But it's just the fact that you build that momentum that I'm actually seeing something for real, right? That gives you the confidence that, well, actually, what if I, what if I now had an Etsy shop? Right, and then from Etsy shop, now you're like, oh well, what if I did some white label Amazon thing? From from there, you're like, oh well, what if I took this money and I bought a one bedroom flat, which I can then turn into a two bedroom flat? Um, yeah, and and that and that momentum, you know, confidence, whether it's confidence and self doubt, they both snowball. So in an ideal world, you want the confidence to snowball by having small success, bigger success, bigger success, as opposed as opposed to having doubt, which snowballs and you're six months in and nothing works. And so I think what happened with me is I, I, I was snowballing with, with the doubt stuff because nothing was working except for I had a bunch of notes and I had a bunch of people who I knew. It's just I, I got lucky because I met someone who I could work with for free, which, which, which now my confidence was spiraling upwards as opposed to spiraling downwards. But it's like without that, what would, realistically what would have happened is I would have spent the next few months you know, watching more videos and before you know it, a year a year goes around very very quickly. Mm. Before you know it, it's twelve months, and now you're like, hold on a sec, I've finished university twelve months ago. I have done nothing in twelve months. Uh, every, everyone else is like, on you know maybe on the verge of like their first promotion. They're going from like junior associate to like associate, right? And where where you're like, you're, you're still reading books. Um, Back to the comparison thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the comparison thing is very real because of uh, because of the social status. Like you compare yourself to your your group. Your group is making two hundred thousand pounds. You're making a hundred thousand pounds. You'll be miserable because you're doing worse than them, right? If all of your group is making the opposite of that, i.e., you're making more than them, but you're not making hundred thousand. You're only making fifty thousand. So your group is making twenty five thousand, and you're making fifty. You'll be like, I'm 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 smashing life here, even though you've gone from making a hundred thousand to fifty thousand. It's just now your comparison point is people making twenty five, not the people making two hundred. So, and, and that is how life works. I mean, whether we, you know, whether we like it or not, like that—that that is how it works, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. And there's a great quote around comparison, which is, "Comparison is the thief of joy." Mm-hmm. I think that's so true because I think it's it's so, and as you said, we're so externally motivated, and therefore comparison is very strong for 
those motivators and other people but actually that does make people unhappy mm-hmm. so we 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 spoke offline um about when i asked you about what we're going to talk about today or what sort of failure you actually made a comment that you don't think you've ever kind of really failed because you've never really taken a big risk just want to just kind of explore what you meant there yeah so you know, if I think about the app stuff and then I think about the Venny Hire business and since then, I mean, that was very early days that would have gone on for maybe a couple of month, months. But since then, what I've done is I've, I've had a property business for the last seven years and property is very, very safe at the same time. You know, it's well, once you get the hang of it, it's a rinse and repeat process. You're not doing anything contrarian. You're not doing anything out of the world, which no one's ever thought of before. Uh, I, I know any business is hard when you're starting out, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still a significantly easier business than maybe when, not maybe, definitely when Zuckerberg made Facebook because no one had heard of that concept before, right? It's completely contrarian. And so the reason I say that's the biggest failure is because, like I said right at the start, I convinced myself when I was 21 that this is the time to take chances. Uh, This is a time where you have nothing to lose and it's the least risky period of your life and so on and so forth. And then what did I do? I did the safest thing possible, <laughs> you know, by 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 starting a property <laughs> business. So, because what happened is, you can you know you, you can kind of hype yourself up and you can maybe convince yourself of you know well okay well I, I, this is the least risky time and so on and so forth. But like I said, at the same time, once that failure starts to snowball, that confidence starts to die out. So that snowball is melting. You know, that confidence snowball is melting. And so because I was six, seven months in, I was like, now I just need to do anything in order to get started. And I've done that for about 70 years now. Um, and, and I haven't really explored anything since basically the first couple of months where I'm like, there is a 99% chance this thing is not going to work but because this is so contrarian. But if it does work, it'll be like a huge success. I've not taken those chances. I've gone with the opposite approach of let's just play it safe and Let's just do, let's make a bit of progress, a bit more progress, a bit more progress. And it's a funny balance because that does also have its merit, which is if you do take small steps, eventually you can take a bigger step. Um, And so I I don't know which approach is right or which approach is wrong necessarily. But the reason I deem it as a failure is because I I convinced myself to take chances and I haven't really taken any chances. I just gone extremely safe at the same time so i haven't done anything which is big enough you know contrarian enough um but at the same time that might also just be a bit of an ego thing and that might just be some you know bravado in the sense that well i need to do something big and contrarian the reality is you can only really do something big and contrarian once you really understand the field like you know reed hoffman the founder of linkedin that's a good example because we think, well, he just did something contrarian and he made LinkedIn. So it turns out he actually worked, I might be mistaken here, but he, it wasn't Apple, it was another company. He was working on social networks at these different companies in Silicon Valley for about 10, 12 years. So he understood like to a T how social networks work. And then he came up with the idea of LinkedIn. It's not like one day he was half asleep and he said, oh, well, what about LinkedIn? And a lot of contrarian ideas, they do stem from you understanding a field to such a level that you can actually spot those opportunities. 
if she said to me right now, what's the big opportunity in tech? It's like, I have no idea. I, I don't know nothing about tech. How am I supposed to come mm. up with an idea? Mm. And when I was 21, I used to think, well, that's how you come up with ideas that you just sit down with a notepad and you come up with ideas. Whereas generally <laughs> what happens is ideas yeah. come from that you have such a good level of understanding of something that you can find where the gaps are in the market. Um, you know, H, If you think about personal computers, yeah, the computer industry already existed. HP had computers and stuff, but Steve Jobs and those guys are like, well, what if there was a personal computer, right? Why? But, but they understood how HP worked and how computers worked and what the potential was and how the technology worked. The average guy who was an accountant would not one day on his notepad be like, oh, I've got an idea, personal computers, right? Because they wouldn't even know that that thing exists. And so it's all good and well saying, well, I need to do something big and bold, which is what I feel to some degree. But at the same time, if I ask myself, what is that big and bold thing, which I have some clarity on and I know something about, well, that doesn't exist. Like I, I can't, the, the, I know how property works, but I don't have some ingenious idea because you have the ingenious idea. You need to understand the field. Um, right now, for example, with property, I can tell you loads of ways of adding value, which other people might not be seeing or they might not have explored. That's only because I've done it for seven years, so I, I know where the gaps are, I know where the opportunities are. But day one, when I know nothing about property, how am I supposed to come up with an idea when I don't even know what doesn't doesn't exist? And so, it, it's, I you know, it's what I'm doing that thing which which I think I do quite a lot, which is I, um, it's almost like there's two sides of me, and I and I like <laughs> and I and I kind of like weigh up the pros and cons of both sides. Because a part of me is convinced what I did was right, but then the other part of me is convinced that, well, actually, I, I should have done something riskier. Um, it's almost like like a split personality, right? <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm trying to, I know I'm arguing both sides here, and I'm not really coming, coming up with anything definitive. But that's, that's because at the same time, I, I think that doing something big stems from ego and social status that I need to do something big and bold and take chances and, it, you know, it had like, like, it's all about entrepreneurship and you have to do, you have to make it big when you're young. So that's one side of me, which is like the ego status driven side. And then the other side is a more rational side, which is, yeah, but in order to do that, you need to know how it works. And if you don't have experience, like you can't know how, you can't come up with a big idea. So then from that perspective, is that a failure? Is it not a failure? The reason I deem it as a failure is purely because like, um, with, let's just say the YouTube channel, right? There might be like videos sometimes, which I think, well, oh, well, what if I like did this video uh, or like that video? It's like a lot of risk here in the sense that it's a lot more effort, but I, a lot of the times wouldn't make it because I'm like, oh, well, what if it fails? So that is something where I do have an understanding. And even then I still won't take the action at times because I'm like, ah, oh, well, there's a high chance it's going to fail. So that's, that's where the belief stems from. The reason I haven't failed is that I've just done easier things. Like even if you look at my YouTube channel, eh, yeah, it does well, but it's like, it's this, it, you know, it's, it's playing it safe, right? It's like very safe content, which I know will do well as opposed to something which no one else has made previously. There's not even that much risk. It's interesting because I think there's been a pattern throughout um, some of your examples where you've you've talked about playing it safe and essentially maybe try not taking risks necessarily do you think that stems from that fear that you mentioned at the beginning the fear you call it the fear of entrepreneurship do you think that's where do you think you still got that to an, an extent and that's why 
you have been playing it safe. Yeah, I mean, and continue to maybe play it safe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, for example, the, you know, the position I'm in is like I don't really would ever want to get a job now, and it, technically I shouldn't need to unless you know something like catastrophic happened and like I, you know like everything went lopsided or something. It's like that that sh- shouldn't happen, but at the same time, like I. For example, right now, I'll give you a good example. I make property content, right? Which to me is very safe. I know I can keep churning that content out and it gets views and so on and so forth. But if I think about it, okay, well, what if I had a YouTube channel which was a lot more exciting and maybe, I don't know, like uh, I interviewed rich people and all that sort of stuff and I did property tours. That to me is much, much harder content. Like it's very hard to do that, like make that style of content. And I'm thinking, well, okay, if I if I put all of my energy into that, and if it didn't work, then the thing which was working, i.e., the property content, I've, I've kind of lost that, and the new thing now isn't working. So, you know, it's like there's still a high level of uncertainty there, and so a lot of the times I don't end up convincing myself that I need to do that new thing. Like I'm I'm trying to get better at it, but I still I'm not fully there where I will. 100% go after something which is very risky because at the back of my mind I'm like well what if I spend six months on it and I've lost six months of time and nothing has come out of it whereas I know guaranteed I can make property content and something will come out of it so now I've got two choices a guaranteed option and something which is I have never done this before I don't even know how it works I'm sure I'll figure it out if I network and so on and so forth but there's still a chance I can spend six months making these videos and it'll, they'll get no views I've lost time I've lost money I've lost my property audience um, for something which is now not working out. So, yeah, and that comes with a, a time loss, a resource loss, financial loss. And so I, you know, haven't really convinced myself of that because there's, there's too much to lose at the same time. I, I, I you know, which, which is a tricky balance. And that's kind of what I mean about playing it safe, that I could do something which is riskier. But who knows if it's going to work or not. Which in some ways the and is the kind of anti entrepreneurial mindset it is, yeah. because you know in its very essence in in the very essence entrepreneurism is about trying stuff failing and and kind of taking risks. The problem is when you start, so when you start to like get a bit of something you know um, you're like okay well this is mm. this is working I don't I don't want to mess this up like I spent so long trying to make this work mm. now it's working. Um, same with going back to my very previous example. I think it all comes back down to the same thing. I spent years trying to get a job. If I got that Deloitte job, I would have been like, I spent years attempting this. I finally made this work. I'm not going to give this up. In a similar way with the property stuff and with pro- my, because I, I, I have credibility with property. I've been in property for you know six, seven years now. I've built a uh, four million pound portfolio with my property stuff. So it's like, I know how that works. And so in my head, I'm like, ah, so I've spent so long, you know, like getting to this stage. Why would I give that up? Uh, just to attempt something which, might not work at all. So I, I think when you start to get a bit of, I'm just going to use the word success with the lack of a, you know, lack of a better word. Success might just mean thousand pounds, might mean 10,000 pounds, whatever, whatever you deem to be success. When you start to mm. feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing with like everything else in history, right? Which is like, on, this is on a significantly, significantly smaller scale, but I'm sure when, Blockbuster was making a lot of money and someone said, why don't you do this online stuff? They would have gone, nah, 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 screw this. Like, this is working for me. Like, like why would I, 
why would I shoot myself in the foot doing this risky thing which might not even work? So it, 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 it is a hard balance, but it's a, it's a work in progress. I, I think, you know, when people listen to stuff like this, I actually used to think that if someone had, had a bit of success, they had everything figured out. Like they had their emotions and mindset mm. and everything figured out. And I, I've come to realize that it doesn't matter how successful people are. It, it, it's just a continuous work in progress. So I think people listening to this will get some insights in terms of how things work and how things don't work and how maybe they can improve their mindset. But I don't think people should listen to this stuff that I will, by the end of it, will have my life perfectly sorted out. I, I think it will be their life will be improved and, and, and they will resonate with things like this in the sense that, you know, it's a continuous work in progress. I, I think your mindset or mental health, whatever you want to call it, is exactly the same as your physical health. You can be the fittest person in the world right now, but if you stop, if you stop going to the gym, that health will deteriorate. And if you start eating bad you know, junk mm. food, it will deteriorate. And mindset is exactly the same thing, which is you, you, you listen to this sort of stuff and it, it will massively improve your mindset and your mental health and everything else. But that doesn't mean that you've now perfected it. And now, now for the rest of life, you're good to go and you can stop listening to stuff like this and so on and so forth. Because very quickly, you start, you know, the old habits start to creep in. Uh, you see someone with a Ferrari on Instagram tomorrow morning or straight after this podcast and you're like... <laughs> Forget that stupid podcast. Like, you know, I'm going to, I won the Ferrari and, you know, so on and so forth. So it's like, you always have something pulling you in the other direction. It's the same with gym. It's like, you might go to the, you, you might go to the gym and do a workout. Uh, you, you get home and someone's bought a cake. Now it's pulling you in the opposite direction. So mm. uh, I, for me, it, it is also like a work in progress, right? Which is, I have made a lot of progress in this field and I feel like my mindset and some, some of the things are so much more clearer. And uh, I can I can take significantly more action than I could when I was doing the app stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I know I'm making it sound like I'm not taking any chances whatsoever, but I'm just trying to illustrate a case whereby I could do something very, very risky and, uh, and, I, and I haven't done so. But that doesn't mean that my mindset is just as bad as it was day one. I would say if I was one out of 10 day one right now, I'm like 6.5 out of 10. But I'm not. I'm not ten out of ten because I. I don't think anyone's ten out of ten. Mm. I think people will find that reassuring, actually, and that, as you said, to a to a degree. And I have heard people say this in you know who are what would we deem as successful that even they feel like they're winging it. Yeah. And yeah. Every day they are. There's things. There's 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 sort of unknowns that they don't actually. I remember going back to Reed Hoffman, who you've already mentioned. I remember him talking about him at PayPal and the he said the early years, essentially every week they were learning stuff and con it was a continuous loop of learning and thinking, shit, why didn't we know this a week ago? Mm -hmm. Or I wish I'd known that a week ago or a month ago. Um, and just that really steep learning curve. And I think everyone has that at whatever stage mm -hmm. they're at. <clears throat> kind of a key question for you because we've talked a lot about fear today what advice would you give to new entrepreneurs about handling the fear of failure yeah so i think fear essentially stemmed from two things one is a financial loss right um you might lose a bit of money but i don't think a, a lot of times it's a financial loss which people necessarily care about because well you might have a bit of savings and especially you know 
easier said than done, but you but you do have safety nets in the West because of benefits and so on and so forth. Like if you compare it to Kashmir, where I grew up, there there is no concept of council housing or or benefits. It's like you either make your money or you don't make money. Like you know, you know you're not getting any sort of support whatsoever. It's a developing country, so for me, there's a very stark contrast between the two. I I, th- I think the real reason people fear failure is because of the humiliation which comes from a failure and it might not be humiliation in the sense that someone's going to make fun of you but it might just be that you have fallen behind other people have gotten ahead of you there's their lifestyle is much better their car is much nicer they live in a better area uh yeah you know their kids go to better school and so on and so forth and because we are creatures we are social creatures we're always going to compare ourselves to someone who is similar to us who is now maybe doing better than us, right? You don't really compare yourself to, for example, if you, if you went to a public school, I don't know, and you're not really going to compare yourself to someone who went to the most expensive private school in this country. You're going to compare yourself to your mate from school who also went to a public school, but now he's making half a million pounds a year and you're making 20K, right? Because that, that contrast is way too stark. Mm. And so mm. the, the only real way to get over the fear of failure is by to get over the fear of humiliation i mean that's where it comes from and to let go of the social uh so social standards but the problem the problem there is that you know that's that's also very very hard to do because when you when you think about it it's like you know we as creatures we don't really want to be left behind and we're always trying to impress people because if you don't if, if we don't impress people then we feel like we're going to get left behind and people will not want to hang out with us and you know we're, they, they won't want to be friends with us and so on and so forth and that's from an evolutionary point of view. That's where it comes from, which is if you have a pack, um, and you know, like you have tribes, right? And you're trying to stay alive, and you you don't want to get killed by some like lion or something. Is it's safer to be as be in a tribe than it is to be an individual, because then you can't protect yourself. Whereas in a tribe, when you sleep, some people stay awake. When some people stay awake, the other people sleep, and so on and so forth. So we are ingrained that we need to be part of a group. Like we we can't be left out. And though, even though there's no jungle anymore and there's no there's no lion attacking us now, that that is still hardwired into us, which is that we need to be doing just as well as everyone else. We need to be doing better than them. We don't want to get left behind because someone's going to think we're a loser, and if, we, if they think we're a loser, then they won't want to hang out with us, or or I'm not going to get married if I don't have that much money, or you know whatever that is, which is that you feel like you're going to get left behind. You know the reality is, and again, this is easier said than done, which is if someone genuinely is you know like a true friend and they're not, they're not going to care how much money you make um whereas if someone only likes you because of how much money you make it's like you probably wouldn't want to be friends with them anyway so you you kind of have to accept that which is that the only way you're going to get over the fear of failure is by accepting um that it is not about trying to impress people the only if you really really go deep 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 into it the only reasons people want success is because they think that will make them happy. It's, it's true because they think, well, if I have success, that means, you know, I, I can impress that person or I can, you know, I don't know, like uh, whether it's a girl or a guy, so I can find a girl or I can find a guy or you know, whatever that is. Uh, or if I had a nice car, I can I can impress X, Y, and Z. Well, why do you want to impress them? Because you'll get something. Well, what's that going to do? Well, that will make me happy. You know, so success at its core comes down to so, some some level of happiness. And so that you know, the fear is the complete opposite of that. That if you if you think you if you think that well, I'm going to fail, that comes with a lot of loss. And and so 
it's definitely a work in progress, but I think if you can accept that, if you can accept that the people who are actually genuine will like you regardless of how much money you have, you will fear failure less. Like for example, my friends, they say, they don't care whether I made no money or whether I had all the money in the world. Yeah, I've been friends with them for years. Like they, they, they wouldn't care. Whereas if I had all the money in the world and I met someone, I would be thinking, well, they only like me because of the fact that, well, I have money. Or if the opposite was true, if I had no money, I'd be thinking, well, they don't like me because they think I'm a loser. But but either way, they don't like me for me. They like me because of the the, the status or the persona or whatever that is. Um, and that is kind of the only way. And so if you, if you finally, you know, to conclude that, if you, if you think about the Eminem eight-mile rap battle at the end, where Eminem essentially basically says everything which is bad about himself, like he said it before the other person can say it, that is kind of like the prime example because, you know, once you put everything out there, there's not much people can say. And so, you know, with your social, uh, with your, for example, property business or whatever business you're in, if you just document everything and uh, like if you just accept the fact that it hasn't worked and you haven't made it work, um, people accept that, you know, people, people accept that things go wrong. Whereas sometimes something hasn't worked out well, but they try to cover it up that, oh yeah, but I got unlucky because that thing changed. People... Now I think, oh, well, he's just making excuses. So I, I think sometimes just accepting the, the failures um, is actually a better way to go rather than trying to cover it up. Again, easier said than done, but that is what I believe is a solution. Amazing. I, I like the way you went from sort of a psychology to maybe a little bit of stoicism to m <laughs> <laughs> in that answer. In that answer. <laughs> um, that was great. So just wrapping up, if you could go back in time and erase those failed businesses from happening, would you do that? Would I erase them? No. Um, I, you know, uh, ultimately, it's like, I, I think by the time you're like 80 or 90 or whatever, it's like the only thing you have left is experiences. Like, yeah, you know, if you have a car or something, it's not going to, it's not going to do much for you. The, the only thing you have is like memories and experiences. So it's like, I, I think my objective in life is. Or, or I'm trying to get better at it is like to have as many experiences as possible, whether it fails or whether it succeeds. But it's like you know when you're 19, you're about to like you know you're about you're about to go. It's like you're not going to be thinking, well, okay, well I've got this much money. I, I think you'll be thinking, well, well I I did so much. There's literally I did everything possible. I saw every country and I did every single thing and I did every activity and I saw you know the Northern Lights and so on and so forth. And so I, I think that that would be like the optimal way to kind of like die, which is. I've done, there's literally nothing left like for me to do. I've just done everything I possibly could. Like for example, when I was in school, I played like the guitar and stuff. I I sucked at it, but I played it. Now in my head, I'm like, I've checked that box. Like like, I've done the music stuff. I don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) But when I'm 80, I'm not going to be thinking, oh, well, what if I picked up a guitar? It's like, I've done that. Um, And and so, no, it's like, I, you know, it's like whether it's good or bad, it's like, for me, the experience, you know, is the only thing which is, I think, going to be left when, when you're about to kind of like die. So, no, I, I I wouldn't. It's like I'm trying to maximize experiences rather than like, you know, getting rid of them. I have no trauma from them or anything along those lines. So, I I think more the better. I think that's an amazing answer and, and a great way to end. So, I have got, just to end though, a quick fire round. So, this is short questions and kind of short answers from you. So, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Great. Failure is... When you don't learn anything from it. What's your life's mission? 
uh, to have as many experiences as possible. What's one piece of advice that you will want to give on your deathbed? <laughs> that is so hard. That is so hard. Uh, my, my advice would be uh, impress yourself rather than trying to impress other people. Right. What's one habit that keeps you resilient? Keeps me resilient. Uh, momentum. The, the more momentum you have, the more you convince yourself that this is going to work out. If you could be immortal, would you take it? No, because then there would be no urgency to do anything. Uh, I would sit around for years reading books and making notes. So I would never do anything. And I, I feel, I feel <laughs> like the fact that you know you're going to die gives you the urgency to actually, you know, do things. Like if, if I knew I was going to live, for, I know you said the short answer. If I knew I was going to live forever, yeah, I'd go and hold in five years time, six years time. It's like, but that's not going to happen. So you have to, you know, get on with things. What's one surprising fact that not many people know about you? Uh, well, that I grew up in Kashmir. I, I wasn't born here. Um, I, I grew up in pretty much, I wouldn't say like a village, but it was a developing country. It's in the mountains. And uh, yeah, I think people are always surprised by that. And last question, who can you recommend as a guest that you think would be great for me to have on? So uh, John Corey, I, was, I would actually nominate John Corey. I really like how he explains things and I really like his perspectives on things. Um, you, you can tell him I said that actually. Um, but yeah, John, I, would, I think John Corey would be really good for some, something like this. Great. Thank you for that. So where, Ahmed, where can people find you with you and connect with you? Yeah, so my website, www.ahmed-khan.com or Instagram, thatahmedkhan, YouTube, thatahmedkhan, um, and pretty much all the other socials are also thatahmedkhan. Um, YouTube, if you want content, for example, you know, my videos and free property courses and those sort of things. Instagram, if you want to get in touch and drop me like a line or something and if you have any questions. So for communication, Instagram, for content, YouTube. Brilliant. So big thank you for being here. Really enjoyed the paths and the the different roads that this conversation has gone down. And uh, I think it's been sort of fascinating and quite philosophical today. So I've really <laughs> enjoyed it. So um, thank you um, no, for, for being here and fun. for sharing sharing everything. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Ahmed. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Fail. Really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please do subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It really does help us to grow and to reach more people. Do follow us on social media too. We're at Jeswood on Instagram and at Beyond the Fail on YouTube and also on Linktree. Thanks again and see you soon.